0: hi i'm sadek and i'm christian and this is episode 36 of shades of brown and we're back we're back uh christian christian took a nice vacation uh and we're here to talk about uh all the new apple os releases uh we're gonna start Oof, it's it's gonna be a long one strap in put put on your seatbelts uh we're gonna we're gonna start off with uh tv os uh Question: I think you could start with TVOS. Uh,
1: firstly, LOL TVOS. Why is this a thing? Um, the new TVOS release uh, it it didn't bring much. Uh, I I have this running joke in like, well, like on on Mastodon that like the TVOS dev team is just like. 10 girls just drinking beer all day, you know? And they're just, like, chilling around. And every time someone's like, oh, crap, a new release is coming. What are we going to do? Like, priority number one is just, like, merge all iOS 11. (laughs) And then they're just, like, nice. (laughs) Because honestly, like, what does the TV release TVOS bring? It brought a new JavaScript-based app system, which really only matters um, if you're trying to build an app for, like, say, your uh, TV channel right it, it, it's like it's sort of like a boilerplate so where you can make an app that's performant and runs nice and plugs into the tv app uh on tv os and you can just uh, distribute your content through it and use a single sign-on provider and all that fancy stuff uh does not matter to anyone who does not work for like a big business right it doesn't matter to me it doesn't matter to really any most end consumers um there is an updated tv app however uh it's uh it's a slight redesign. There's more content silos, better search, more categories to look through. Um, I like the TV app. I think it's a good way to browse through all these random app channels you have installed and just kind of have a holistic view of everything that you can watch right now on your TV. But this is at a new rate. Android TV does it. Uh, Amazon's Fire TV devices do it. It's not, it's not really something special. I like how Apple does it. I also like how it syncs to your phones and the such so you can pick up and uh, resume on your phone or your iPad or or uh, whatever um i am disappointed that it's still not on the mac uh i think that having it on the mac too would be good cuz a lot of people use their laptops to watch content when they're not home
0: yeah yeah that would be really good yeah uh
1: the ui still smooth series better uh you can search for more things um i like the new Siri voice uh i know we're going to probably talk about that more in ios um but like honestly this this tvos it it's a thing. It exists. Um, it probably has the nicest design out of all the set top boxes. It probably uh has the best apps available for it. Um I, I don't know. Like maybe buy this one if you have 4K TV if you're getting the new Apple TV 4K, especially with like sweet gigabit Ethernet port. Um but like it's a thing, right? It's okay. Yeah.
0: I mean, to be to be fair to Apple, this is not a space that needs major innovation, but it needs uh, updates it needs uh maintenance it needs uh upkeep and uh the new t v uh that new i'm not gonna speak too much on the hardware but the new apple t v uh long overdue and the uh not really long overdue i guess uh they they're at the, here at the right time with the four k uh availability uh finally updating the ethernet port for fuck's sake apple what what are you doing with the last gen one uh, but yeah t v o s is a thing uh, it's, it's just going to be one of those things that most people forget about. Like, tvOS is like, uh, people don't really think about the set-top boxes un- until they it, until it stop working, and I think tvOS is, is one of those that has like, it, it just works most of the time, and uh, you mostly forget it, that it exists, So, which is a good thing for a software like this. So, moving on from something that Apple actually maybe forgot also exists, um, is macOS. Uh, that... Uh, Hi 420 Blaze at Sierra. Uh yeah, they made the joke. I'm I'm just I'm just playing along. Um Yeah, uh this is this is a great name. Uh Hi Sierra. Uh we're going to start off with what? Uh one of the biggest things I think is the APFS change and this isn't even a user-facing change uh christian do you want to talk about apfs a little bit?
1: um apfs only works for spinning hard di- or ssds my bad ssds spinning hard disks were not migrated to apfs um there's a couple it's a little wonky um there's been some reports out some problems with apfs a couple security things i imagine apple's gonna fix that soon um the biggest change about apfs honestly that anyone will notice is that copying files now are going to be instantaneous because instead of moving instead of duplicating the file blocks right in the file system it's just linking to it uh so it's makes that more uh more quicker um i don't i apfs it's it's just more of like like macOS high sierra is just a lot of apple cleaning themselves the technical debt right like you're not going to notice many of the changes um apfs is a good thing i do think that it's much better especially when you start bringing in like multiple hard disks or, like, multiple drives and all that sort of stuff, you can, it, it's nicer. There's less of a chance of you losing your data. But honestly, at this point, those are such edge cases anyways. Um, like, and I think the real benefit for APFS, I want to say probably, like, next release, right? When Time Machine gets full APFS support. Yeah, so
0: APFS is still, but this, what, what this does is it unifies all of Apple's platforms across one file system. So every Apple platform, every current Apple platform is using APFS from this tiny little watch, uh, to 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 uh, to, uh, to the iMac. Uh, so everything is using APFS. Uh, the only things that are not using APFS yet are Fusion drives, and Fusion drives are a weird one. Um, they were supported during the beta, but Apple removed the support uh, for the GM. Uh, and Fusion drives cannot be manually or automatically converted. To APFS. So you're going to have to wait if you have a Fusion drive. Uh, but otherwise, uh, if you have a spinning drive, you can convert it to APFS, but Apple won't do it automatically if you use uh, disk utility to convert uh, those drives from HFS Plus to uh, APFS. And yeah, that's, that's APFS. It's, it's mostly a lot of cool. There's some WWDC talks on it. Uh, if, if you really want to like get into the. Yeah,
1: like sort the, of, like, the real interesting thing, right, is snapshots, which I think. Like I, you remember? Like, what was it ButterFS that like was the first? Like, I know ZFS supported snapshots, right? ZFS has snapshots, and then there was like ButterFS that came as like more of a like it was like trying to replace EXT4 on Linux way back when. And has that even become stable yet?
0: I don't know if BDR uh, BDRFS is stable yet. Uh, I don't think so. Most most uh, operating system, uh, Linux operating systems still use uh, EXT. Or if you want to do a custom, you probably use like XFS. Yeah, uh, but basically, like file yeah, systems yeah. don't really matter that much. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, to most people they don't they don't matter until until they stop. Yeah, it.
1: like I well, for most consumer facing needs, right? Like file most most modern file systems are fine. Um, it's only when you get into like enterprise stuff and you're doing like huge RAID arrays and uh, and you're just pulling in and out hard disk and stuff and like uh and, and these huge server rigs. That's when like the file system becomes more important because like if it supports snapshots, if it can do uh all this fancy stuff, then you're gonna have a better time. But for most. People doesn't really. It's not really that important. And more importantly, macOS server is just gone, right? <laughs> mm,
0: it's still around. They removed a They removed a few features. It's still. It's not really worth talking about. If you if you're doing server stuff, you're not using macOS. Like it's really like you're not using macOS. You if if you if you want a Unix like, uh, you're probably using one of the BSDs uh, on your server, or are you just using Linux? Uh, that's not really a thing that it's worth talking about. But APFS, like the stuff that could be user-facing is the copying thing. Is, is Like the copying thing, a user will immediately notice, like, whoa, my copies are, are a lot faster. Uh, that's, that, that's cool. The snapshot feature will probably be used in the future when they add uh, support for it with Time Machine. So if you, have, if you use Time Machine, uh, Time Machine drives cannot be converted. Should not, time Machine does not support APFS yet, so you can't convert uh, Time Machine drives uh, to APFS yet, but I, I assume that's probably coming uh next release or maybe in a point release who knows uh so what are the changes there's uh metal three
1: yeah so uh apple still does not want to support a modern version of OpenGL. you know just putting that out there it's 2017 and i think the OpenGL version mac os supports is not released in this decade uh thanks apple so they've been pushing metal uh, Metal is good. Uh, Metal is very performant. World of Warcraft got updated for Metal support a while back, and uh, it runs very nicely. But the problem is, I don't think I should expect any game developers to add Metal support, even though I think Unity and uh, all these—I know, especially with Apple working with Unity and um, Unreal to uh, add VR support for the iMac Pro, and that comes out later this year—they're probably all going to get Metal support. But at the same time, I don't—I don't think Metal has that huge of an adoption. Where it does matter, though. For most end users, since no one buys a Mac to play games,
0: Uh, yeah. See, this is a this is a sort of a catch twenty two. Like, game developers don't want to develop for yet another graphics API, Uh, and I mean they already have consoles to develop for. They already have DirectX. They already have OpenGL. Um, I don't see why they would pick like Metal and develop specifically for one platform that is there's not really like known for people who buy games people who play games on PC uh use windows sorry linux gamers that's that's just uh the statistics um, um yeah that it's just statistically speaking like if you're a game developer uh like first you you do consoles like you do PS4 uh then you would do a PC version like i wouldn't see why uh, you would do uh, a Mac version. You would probably do a Mac version if you have, like, the budget left over or, like, you want to, like, do something. No, no, if
1: you yeah. have the budget left over, you do a Swift or Switch version before you do like, Yeah, you do Linux. a Switch version. You, you do Switch before you do Linux or Mac, right? Like, yeah, who yeah. really cares? You're not, most of these Linux gamers probably are going to buy your game. Mac gamers, oh, maybe. Mac, I don't maybe, know. Maybe, yeah. But, like, does that, is that new MacBook Pro really good for uh, playing games? I don't think mm, so.
0: No, not really. I mean, it can play games, but it's not really, like, you know doesn't have like the power really to drive most triple a video games so yeah so for gaming wise it's it's not it's it has been trashed for a while anybody who has a mac knows this uh they probably also have a console or, or a separate gaming P- uh windows pc for that
1: uh, but we metal three can also help when it comes to uh high-end like creation apps right like using Metal three to like help uh, for, for at least on the UI side of right something like Final Cut or uh, a couple of these other pro apps that do have a lot of heavy graphics rendering. I because I know right now there's is it OpenCL or CUDA or something like that. It's an NVIDIA thing. Yeah, there's that. Um, there's a couple of uh, APIs that let you go deeper level, and I think Apple's been putting some of that and in also into Metal. So that's definitely. For for workstation applications, this can help make it smoother. But uh, where you're going to notice it right now, as of today, is that the whole window manager was rewritten using Swift and Metal 3. So um, doing, like, uh, mission control, launchpad, all that stuff is going to be a hell of a lot smoother. And you might think to yourself, shouldn't this be smooth anyways? It's like, eh, because of the version of OpenGL that Apple was supporting, and... Uh, Probably because of some of their drivers and stuff, and it's just not being as GPU performant when they're doing metal and it's work in house. They probably they're getting better performance out of these out of the existing cards and all that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I don't think anybody at Apple is actually even maintaining the OpenGL version in Mac OS. Like I don't, I don't think it's staffed. That department, nope, it doesn't exist, or it's not staffed, Like. That's probably a thing, because OpenGL version has... There's really no excuse to at least bring it up to, like, a stable Neo release. Like, uh, Apple, please. Uh, but, yeah, so that's the state of, I suppose, graphics uh, on macOS. Uh, there was Photos app. Uh, uh, this, is a bit, this is a user-facing change, I suppose. Uh, the Photos app got some updates. The, it now syncs um, face recognition... In an interesting way, Christian, you have the details on, on,
1: on. Okay, so, like, um, firstly, I just want to say the design of the new Photos app is good. They brought over some of the iOS 11 stuff uh, aesthetic. Uh, I think that um, the UI changes are smart. Uh, the editing stuff is good. Um, it supports system integrations with, like, uh, say, Pixelmator. So you can I can edit a photo in Pixelmator, and then it'll sync back to the Photos app, and that photo uh, edited version will sync to all my devices, which is clever. Um But with how they're doing face-to-face syncing, it's essentially that they are not syncing the whole facial database. So each device will locally scan for faces and then say, hey, this is a face, what person is it? But once you say this is static in this photo, you have that sync, you have that metadata attached to that picture. That is synced with the photos through all your devices. So each device will rebuild the photo, the facial database when it's plugged in or whatever, right? But that database is not sent, it stays on the device, it's encrypted, and does not, it's not sent to any other devices. So all that's being sent is just metadata attached to the pictures to say this is a face, which I think is a really clever way of doing it in like a privacy, sort of privacy-conscious way.
0: Yeah, it's a definitely an interesting way to do it. Like, the easy way would be to just send all the stuff to the cloud and to do the calculations there, but obviously Apple's... Uh, Design philosophies are privacy oriented more than not, uh, so that is that is the thing that they're doing. Uh, speaking of privacy, stuff, Safari, uh, there's some significant changes in in Safari. So Christian, you know about the R- WebRTC uh, shenanigans.
1: So so Safari added support for WebRTC, but not full support. So I was I actually I think I talked to um, the developers of Wire on Twitter about this. Because I was like, hey, if Safari supports WebRTC now, why are you guys still blocking off uh, Safari from accessing the uh, web version of Wire, right? Or Discord, you still can't do voice chats with it? And turns out, Apple's implementation is not 100% uh, standards compliant and does not support every single API of uh, of modern WebRTC. So uh, it you can do some basic stuff, but it, eh, it's... it's it's whatever. Um, Safari also supports basic support for service workers and some of that progressive web app stuff. It does not sup- have full support for it yet. So push notifications won't work in Safari, right? Like, it's still Apple's still lagging behind on, on some of this progressive web app stuff. And it's really annoying. Uh, but they are trailing in other areas. Uh, Safari is faster now. Apple claims it's faster than Chrome. Definitely battery life's more improved when you're using Safari. Um, there's also some, some privacy changes. So uh, Apple's blocking tracking cookies, but in a sort of intelligent way, right? So how it does is that, so it's essentially like if you go to Amazon and you look for, uh, you know, my, my new dope mixtape, and then you go, you go on to, uh, uh, the verge or whatever, and you see, and you see an ad for my dope new mixtape, Apple's blocking those cookies. Um, essentially, removing them when it detects them, it it scans all your cookies and detects that, does it all locally and removes them, so the companies won't know that. Uh, it, it helps prevent you from being tracked. The issue being, if you visit the domain of which the cookie is being uh, served from, it does not. Uh, it does not stop the tracking. So if you go to Facebook, right and you use Facebook regularly, Safari isn't going to remove those Facebook cookies because you're going to Facebook. So this really only messes with third-party ad trackers where users aren't consistently visiting their sites. Because if you go to Google, Google's ad tracking cookie is still going to be there because you're an active user at Google. So I don't think it's as effective as it could be.
0: It could, I mean, yeah, but it's, it's, it does probably prevent random trackers from following you around the web uh...
1: Oh, it's definitely better than nothing, but I I feel like so, uh, Apple should have gone one step further and just said all tracking cookies are done with. We're not.
0: No, that that would probably break things. Like I would imagine, it's it's kind of hard to detect which cookies. are Well, I mean,
1: bad. ad blockers uh, can do that, and ad blockers don't usually break websites.
0: Ad, ad, no, ad blockers don't block cookies. Really, they block like content like from loading. How about Ghostery
1: then? I thought uh, Ghostery blocks they, the cookies.
0: Ghostry does, but I'm speaking about most ad blockers uh, like uBlock or uh, whichever implementation Apple has in, in their browsers. Uh, it just blocks content from like loading. Like if, if it's loading content from say ad.doubleclick.net, uh, it's in a, it's in a list somewhere marked as an ad. So what happens is the system, the ad blocker just looks it up, looks up the URL, sees that it's an ad. It it just tells the browser to not load that content at all. So it, it just doesn't load. Uh, so that's how ad blockers, uh, work, uh, especially the add-ons, uh, on, on Chrome and Safari, but uh, yeah, cookies are mostly left alone. Like unless you have some, like, because messing with cookies is, is, is a bit, uh, tricky and you don't want to like annoy the user by like logging them out of like every app or some stuff like that. Uh, so you gotta be careful with messing with cookies. Yeah, this is, this is a one step. Uh, the ad networks are, are annoyed, uh, which is good. They should, they should always be annoyed. Uh, that's, that's fine. But anything else on macOS before we move on?
1: Uh, more things to be written in Swift, as I said before. Um, Swift 4, we talked about the WWDC episode, so I don't think I'm going to go back into that. Uh, I, it's, it's just a bunch of bug fixes, right? It's a real smooth release. Battery release has been improved. It's a little faster like, update it if you have a Mac. Like, that's the APFS file conversion is a little scary, but if you have an SSD, I think you're going to be fine. I haven't had any issues. I was even testing out beta versions, and I've never had a APFS conversion fail, and it's, I've done it a couple of times. Um,
0: if you're really worried, though, uh, you should probably do, like, a manual backup before you start. Like, that's just, like, a heads up. Like, if, if you are worried about losing data and it's, like, critical data, you should already be backing it up, but uh, before doing any any OS reinstall, oh, sorry, upgrade, uh, you should just, just do a manual backup uh, of of critical data.
1: Oh, the iCloud changes too. There's the uh, iCloud share. You can share files now, people like think like Dropbox shared uh, documents and such. Um, you, so you can't share folders, which is annoying.
0: It's, it's it's slowly getting better. Hopefully next year.
1: But I mean, besides that, it's you know, it's a solid. It's a solid. This is what I want from like OS, right? Like, it's, what, it's, it's like even Microsoft's doing this Windows 10 now, right? Like, they're still adding features, but what they're doing, they're slowly just, like, reworking low-level parts of the OS to modernize them, right? But you can't do it quickly or because it's so many people have mission-critical applications for it, right? Like, I know some people are all like, why can't we have, like, a Mac OS 9 to Mac OS 10 just rethinking of the desktop, or, like, a Windows 7 to Windows 8 rethinking of the desktop, but, like, in a way that benefits people who primarily use a mouse and a keyboard and it's like do you really want that do you want do you really want the whole desktop to be because if you if you start from scratch think of all the things you're giving up you're giving up a solid foundation for applications around you're giving up a thoroughly fleshed out uh api for ui and and creating apps and such right and what's the benefit just to say that it's more modern or that it has a new design like i i don't think so
0: no that's 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 not how you like uh, like I'm not a software engineer and I'm definitely not qualified to speak on operating system design, but like it's, 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 it's not, these are not new small projects. These are huge, Uh, uh just, just for a project management scope, uh, it's just like, it would be a massive thing to like just redo the entire OS. That's not really a, uh, a thing you can do. You have to sort of start from various blocks and sort of make your way through there. That's how Windows, that's how Microsoft is working on Windows. Uh, slowly and slowly but surely, they're making more parts of the app, uh, more parts of the system more robust, more modern, uh, modernizing various parts. So you got to do it one by one, part by yeah, part. Yeah, it's like 20 years ago. You can't just do the
1: whole thing. People are just like, let's just start from scratch. You know, the Mac needs a whole whole rethinking. And it's like, that's not really it. Or like, my, my favorites, like, make iOS work with a mouse. And I'm like, but you lose so much, right? The, the problem with this is like, the, People expect new OS releases every year now, right? Like that's like it's. People say it's like companies should slow down and go to slow releases. Like no, people expect that. And more importantly, you have to do consistent OS releases because of security. So uh, it's it's I don't know.
0: I, I'm I'm in favor of slower incremental changes in OSs because big changes always bring like. What, uh, the one thing that i've noticed is sort of like a sort of a sidebar here to windows 10 uh, one thing i've noticed with windows 10 was like the uh big microsoft doing these sort of slower uh not slower more incremental updates to windows 10 uh with their new model uh has certainly made windows 10 a much more pleasant experience as slowly it gets better and like the bugs uh leave like, it doesn't like no big jarring changes so it it feels like every time you update it you say the fall creators update is just coming out soon i think uh it's 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 going to be another incremental change. Not a lot of not a lot has changed, but that's good because like you want you want that to be like you just want to you want to still update the thing, but you just don't want it to be like too drastic.
1: Yeah, this is a rolling uh, release cycle, right? Of software, like it's like uh, back when back when me and static were active Linux users, right? Rolling release meant you got the newest release right now. But I think as like as more companies have embraced this model, it's been more or less of like. What's finished right now will ship, and everything else we can just push back because we're going to have another release in six months.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's basically what it's. This is not rolling release like Arch Linux, but uh, more like OpenSuSE tumbleweed. I think or what is it called? Um, it's it's that's it's more like that. Uh, so you just have like a, like a stable release, and then every like every few months you do another release. So that that way it's like you don't you're not doing huge releases once a year or to every two years or whatever. Uh, but that's enough for OS uh, sidebar. Uh, we're gonna move on to watch OS. Uh, we'll start off with a rant. Uh, but...
1: Let me, let me, let me, let me. I need to, need to talk about watchOS for a minute. Let me. I just want to preface this by saying I understand the reasons why Apple will not put the say will not like give it feature parity API wise with iOS. I fully understand the fact that you do not need a full game engine running on your watch. Um, but it's like, if you listen to ATP or Under the Radar, Marco Arment has been going on a rant for ages about how like background music playback is nearly impossible on the watch. So um, there's a couple of different frameworks for sending audio. Um, if you use the same one as iOS and shit, I forgot the name of it. Let's we'll just call it the iOS standard audio uh, playback framework just for now. Just I, I can't remember the name of it. If you use that. You're, the system is liable to kill your uh, playback at any point to save memory, which is fine. Makes sense. But if you're having an app where it's like if you're listening to a podcast or you're uh, playing music locally from the watch, which Apple wants you to do with, watch, with the new watch, with Watch uh, Series 3, right? Because it has LTE. The whole idea is that you're going, to be doing, you're going to be using it as a standalone device connected to AirPods, right, for Apple Music Streaming. But there's no podcast app for it. Spotify can't you can't do this. Apple's essentially locking in Apple Music to be the one true provider of uh, of audio content on the watch because they're just they don't have the API support for it, which is silly. Like I should be able to locally to create an app that downloads podcasts on the watch and plays them back on the watch and provides playback controls on the watch that lets me skip. On the watch, and none of those are possible. I can't build a playback player that skips ahead from chapter to chapter. I you like, I think Dave underscore David Smith was talking about how he did it for uh for an app like on a, on an older version of iOS, and you could do that for watchOS, but it'd be super slow. Right? Is where you download like the MP3 in chunks, and you just play those chunks as separate files. And when you hit the skip button to skip ahead ten seconds, you just skip to the next file chunk. So right, so you're slicing, you're slicing an MP3 into 500 separate files, and every time when someone wants to skip ahead, like it's like 30 seconds, you just jump from file to file. Like that's that's how you have to do it right now on the watch in order to get like skipping uh, ahead without using the system. You can do it in the system now playing back app, right? But if you have a individual app you created yourself, there is no way for you to skip ahead, and you have to use that disgusting hack, and that's like.
0: Ugh. yeah that's 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 not at Apple really this I, I don't like uh, like if if Apple Music can do it uh, you should let other developers also do it like it's really like if 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 Apple Music couldn't do it I'd be like okay it's just like Apple doesn't want to do it but Apple Music can do this this is something that Apple Music can and does do Apple Music can stream from yeah. the network
1: too so like, yeah. that's the best part about it. well it's not so I just want to say Apple Music streaming is not in right now it's coming in a future release but like it's just, like, if Apple Music can stream from a network, can jump ahead, can create playlists, can go through playlists, and can have custom playback controls where you can, like, add music to your library, thumbs up songs and that, you, you cannot do any of that as a developer. And that is, like, some hot bullshit Apple. Like, just, you have literally, the only way you get background playback given to you right now is if you're a workout app and you're using a custom workout <laughs> and marco's like i wonder if i can make starting a workout like to play a podcast like how they can how you can make that work like this is
0: <laughs> yeah i yeah so it, if you if you're wondering about that discussion um there's an under the radar episode uh you can go listen to uh where he details why this would not like be actually a good idea like it won't like it sounds like like something you could do, like a hack, but it's not actually. Yeah, you like say so like being a open workout the app, app and has and be like this app needs access like needs to your health data, and you like, "Why? Why does my podcast
1: app need to access my health data?" And you can't hide that dialogue, yep. right? And the workout won't, and you need a granted yep, health exactly. access in order to start it's a not, workout. It's a whole fuck. No, nope, but you like cannot. there is. We'll link to that episode under the radar. You can Find a show yeah. notes always at two shades of brown. dot com. Yeah, um, there's another rant I want to go on too about WatchOS, and that's just like, uh, I this programming for the watch is such a fuck right now because it's a apple first so history of watch West, there's watch kit i believe which is with watch so series zero which essentially the app ran on the iphone and the watch and the iphone just send data back and forth to each other and all you have is like a shell ui on the watch and then with no no watch kit is the native programming framework I think it was like Watch Something was the one in series zero. I forgot the name of it. I'm sorry. But WatchKit came with watchOS 2, which allows you to do native programming on the watch. Um, I have experience making apps for the watch with that. It's it, it it's just this, it's this feature parity thing. Like I understand, kill my app out of memory because, or if I'm using too many resources, if I'm talking about it, if that makes sense to me, right? Like I have no guarantee, sure. But still let me do things, right? Don't lock me down from an API level. Lock me down from a system level, from a sandbox level, right? Because it's you can't have... You can only do, like, three different types of apps on the watch because of the fact that you just can't program it, right? Even if you do it... Like, there's no access for you to access these parts of the system. Like, Apple brought over sprite kit with watchOS 4, so at least you can do some advanced animation stuff, right? Like, they've increased the performance of animations. They've uh, brought over more APIs from that. But, like, making... There's, like, basic game kit support too, right? But, like, so, for example... um. There's one API I ran into when I was making a watch app once is uh, in iOS you can call a GameKit uh, method in to generate a random number for no reason that I I don't understand why like you that same call is not available on the watchOS version of GameKit. So you just have to, like, so I had to, like, write some random uh, function to generate a random number instead of using the Apple inbuilt one, right? And, like, that's a simple thing, right? Like, so what? I have to write a function to generate a random number and just link to it throughout the app. Like, that's not a big deal, and that's right. But think about this in the larger context of other APIs.
0: It's, that's you know, like, I, I feel like Apple is, this is, this is, this is not a, something I say often, but I think Apple is scared. Like, I think Apple is scared that if they open up more access to the Watch uh, APIs, uh, hardware, like, developers are going to start writing apps that, like, completely kill the battery or something. Like, they, like, the battery on the watch is fairly limited. So I feel like uh, uh, Apple is somehow in this, like, weird constraint where they want to have these features. Like, like Apple Music has it. Like, they have this feature, but they, they don't want to, like, give it to other developers because I feel like the developers are going to somehow, like, kill, like, the battery. Like, uh, I don't understand. Like, it's, like, you already have memory management you already have all this stuff already being done like i think you can figure it out i think this is not something beyond your scope of uh of control like it's it's something you can figure out i I think apple should really like sort of i i don't know what is going on here like uh, it, it almost feels like apple is scared to give these apis to developers
1: even if they give apis to developers right they control the sandbox they control the kernel level stuff just kill my app like I am, if if I am using too many resources and I am sucking down users' battery life and I'm making the system slow, there's ways of profiling that Apple can tell when CPU starts spiking up for no reason, kill the process.
0: Yeah, Apple. That's what I'm saying. Like Apple, Apple has this. Like Apple can. Like they have that level of access.
1: They do it on iOS already, right? I mean, not anymore because iPhones have so much. Like they're so fast. But back in like iOS four, they would just kill your app for no. If you were uh, making the software slow, which is perfectly fine, that makes sense to me, right? Like. A, a smooth user experience overall, but give me give me the tools to at least try and get around this to make something interesting.
0: And this also like I'm saying Apple is scared, but this also like betrays maybe a trust like level of trust in developers. Like I don't know if they trust developers enough to make decent apps for the watch. Uh, who knows? Like this is this is all speculation. Like we don't really have any data from Apple. Apple never says anything, obviously. Uh, but like we just like developers just want more like just one like parodies, like more feature parody are like, you know, like at least have, at least have the goddamn random generator function be available. What the hell? Um, <laughs> that's, that's dumb as hell. I don't, uh. I don't know why that for all, all, all things is missing, but, uh, Apple. Your watch can calculate a random number without draining the
1: battery. Yeah, hopefully. I, I don't know if they... I, I haven't checked, honestly, if they added in WatchOS 4. If they did, uh, at SATIC on Mastodon, please. <laughs> but uh, now let's just talk about some actual <laughs> features of WatchOS 4. So,
0: Yeah, actual features. Uh, starting with the Siri face. Christian. Uh, I think you have more to say on the Siri face than I do.
1: So, Siri face... Honestly, if you're in America, it's going to work best for you just because most all the services that Siri plugs into are best supported in the U.S. I mean, this isn't like a Google situation where it's going to be hot garbage outside of the U.S., but you're going to have the best experience in the U.S. Because right, the most cities that have like transit and such, Siri can give you transit notifications, are in the U.S. Um, Apple News is, I think, in the U.S., UK only a limited amount of countries right now. So to see what the Siri face does, think of it like a proactive Google Now uh, notifications, right? So you look at your watch face and it, Siri will say, this is something that I think is most relevant to you. So if you have a calendar appointment for like 5 o'clock today, it'll say you have a calendar appointment at 5 o'clock with this person. Here's the weather for it. Um, if you're playing a podcast, it'll say that. If you scroll up, you can see your previous history of things you played before. Uh, if you ever use the Breathe app in a while, it'll show your Breathe notification. It'll show you news headlines if it thinks it's relevant to you. Um if there's something in an email, right? Like if someone sends you an email saying, Hey, we need to act on this. It might pop that up. Um, like, let me, let me just look through real quick for see the full list of apps that support it.
0: So uh, let me speak, speak about my experience. So it's, I mean, it's been fairly minimal. Uh, I've activated it, but I don't know if Siri hasn't finished crunching the data or what, like, I like it's, it's kind of hard to get feedback on this from the OS, but, uh, I've had breathe notifications. I've had calendar stuff come up. Uh, Apple News doesn't exist here, so that, that's obviously uh, out of the question. So I haven't seen that. Um, I haven't seen the ma- mail thing, but uh, I-, I don't really get mail like that anyway.
1: So let me. Um, I'm looking at the Siri uh, the, comp- the page in the Watch app right now. And data sources are alarms, breathe, calendar, home, news, now playing, photos, reminders, stock, stopwatch, timer, wallet, weather, and workout. So it's like if you have if you go for a run every day, I guess that it would be like, hey, you should go for a run right now.
0: Yeah, I, oh, actually, I do. Get there's the activity oh.
1: one too, right? It'll be like take a ten minute walk, and you'll finish closing all your circles for the day. Um, home too, if you like, if you have HomeKit set up, it'll pop up notifications for that. Photos, if you go to a place that you took a photo, and you'd be like, hey, remember the last time you're here? Here's a photo you took.
0: Oh, that's interesting. i never actually triggered that because you know. That would involve me leaving the house. Um, so,
1: <laughs> yeah, and then um, there's wallet. Right, if you walk into a place that takes Apple Pay, or you have a loyalty card added to it. Oh yes, say, yeah. Here's I was your loyalty card.
0: I was uh, at the local mall, and I have the Starbucks card in Google Wall- in Wallet. Not Google Wallet. Why did I say Google Wallet? In a- in Apple Wallet. Um, and when I was near the town center, uh it, it popped up the card uh for the Starbucks one uh so that's that's the thing that works uh for sure. Uh which is cool, I guess. Uh that is I mean it, it it's gonna get better. Like this is this is like I feel like this is sort of like a like it's still not done. I feel like it still needs a little bit of a little bit more polish. Uh and it's not completely obvious when things happen. Like users don't really like I mean that's I guess that's sort of the point. It's supposed to like surprise you, like uh, with with all these things. But I, the I would, problem
1: is, is that yeah, third party sources can't be plugged into it.
0: Yeah, that's that's a bit. So if you use a lot of third party apps, uh, it's it's kind of yeah, it's kind of useless. So I mean, you got you're gonna have to use those complications and whatnot for those. Uh, so speaking of like new stuff, uh, there's a new workout. The new workout app has been redesigned. Uh, it looks much nicer. Works. Cleaner, uh, I don't know what specific changes happen. So like,
1: um, they and, did a did new they... design. So throughout the OS, there's a new design now of stacked UI elements. So think of it like this: if I you you have a table view, right? There's like four items: run, walk, swim, and bike. Um, if I if I currently have run as a selected item, it's going to be popping out more with all the items sort of lower on the Z axis, going up and down, sort of like a rotary dial, which makes sense for the whole watch metaphor, right? I really like it. Um, So they're a little more recessed on the Z-axis. They're a little more faded out. So it looks like you're scrolling uh, through kind of like a ticker. I think that's a great metaphor for uh, UI design on the watch. Um, I think with these big elements, it really works out on the watch's screen size. But so besides that, what the new workout app brings is uh, inbuilt music controls, because, you know, from earlier, you can now do background music playback if you're a workout app. Uh, But it also they remove the ability to delete a workout when you finish it, because I feel like people might have accidentally hit that. I've definitely hit that before.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i always careful when I end a workout. I'm like, yeah, but now make it's sure gone. not to hit the delete button. And, and then now, they also add a new workout gone,
1: type. So if you have a newer hardware that supports it. Um, auto pause is a bit more clever. Um, you can now add uh more workouts from one workout right so i can be running and then say i want to go for a swim because you know i just want to get I just want to get hashtag lit so i just i just add the swim workout from the run it switches over and it'll do it'll start uh, spinning up the different tracking algorithms for that right so that's all cool and interesting i think the new workout app is great um if you always wanted a, a more customizable workout interface i would say try out workouts plus plus from underscore david smith i have a Link to that in the show notes. It's a good app. Uh, support local indie developers. Lo- not,
0: local, not local, but indie, indie developers. Guess.
1: Local <laughs> to the internet? Local, <laughs> local to, the internet. to the internet.
0: Yeah. Uh, support <laughs> indie developers in general,
1: yes. Uh. Yeah, uh, and then there's uh, another feature. Say, for example, I'm listening to Overcast. And uh, is, there's always like a lot of these music apps have remote apps, right? I don't think Spotify does, but uh, Pocket Cast, Castro, Apple Music, uh, Workout, or, uh, Overcast does... Um, maybe Pandora too. I think a couple of them do. So it'll open that app for playback controls when I have, when I start listening to like a podcast on my phone. But the problem with that is that, uh, for me, it kind of slows down the, uh, it, it, I have a series zero, right? So what it does is that it definitely lowers my battery life since it's lo- since it's loading apps in the background, like to the for It's, Technically, in the background of me like using the watch, right? But it loads into the foreground of the watch itself in terms of system processes. So it starts spinning up the CPU, and it uses more battery and all that, or it's using more CPU cycles rather, and it's it's all that.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's 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 nice, but it like I I wish it like Spotify. I don't know what Spotify is doing. Like honestly, like it's, like this is annoying to me because like Spotify is the only like the Pocket Cast works with it. Uh, obviously, the music app uh, on the uh, on iOS works with it, um, but Spotify is my main music app, uh, and I—that's the one thing that doesn't support that, which is, which is frustrating, really frustrating. I, I wish Spotify would just 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 do it, please, for the love of God. Um, it's it's annoying as hell to not have that. Uh, I mean, it's it's not really a big deal because I have like buttons on my headphones to. Like, say, pause music or, like, go to skip to the next track, but, like, I would like it would be nice to have it on the watch as well. Like, just, just play.
1: Yeah, it'd be, like, more, so, like, piece with the Apple Music app, right, like, I guess we can just talk about the new music app now. Um, you can you can search for different songs, right? You can load different playlists from the watch, and having that quick and easy playback while you're also having the now playing screen, it would be useful for Spotify if you just want to change tracks and you're already looking at your watch, right? If you're on the bus and, you know, you don't want to pull out your phone because it's crowded or whatever, and you do it from your watch, but... Uh, it's just like so, but the new Apple Music app, though, um, it's what's interesting the most is that it. What's the most interesting? If I can talk properly, is that when you have your watch charging, it'll automatically sync. It'll predict. It, it'll predict what songs you want to listen to, and it'll sync them to your watch. It'll sync albums that you frequently listen to. It'll sync new music that you think you'll like. Um, Apple Music version of Discover Weekly or your favorites playlist. Or there's a new Sunday Chill music playlist that I really like. It syncs those all automatically to your uh, watch. And the watch now defaults to local playback first. So if I, I have AirPods, right? So when I use my AirPods and I'm listening to music, if I start playing music back from my watch, it'll switch the input or the output device from uh, my phone from the AirPods to the watch and it'll play from my watch. And uh, album music streaming, like I said earlier, is going to be coming uh, when, for like LTE streaming over the watch or Wi Fi streaming, right? If you're at home. And you can still do it over Wi-Fi in that, or if you're at a place that has Wi-Fi and it'll it'll default to that over your phone. So it's like, this this music app is really nice. It still has the same card UI with like that sort of rotary dial, not rotary dial, but a ticker kind of interface. Um, I really like it. I think having Sync Playlist is smart. I think that automatically doing it is smart. It makes the watch more of like an iPod-like device, which I think is a really clever way for Apple to handle it. Like, a watch in AirPods is a good combo. But the problem is, of course, this only works with Apple Music.
0: Yeah, all of this, all of this is all Apple Music only, so this is not something I could use uh, because I don't use Apple Music. So
1: And Spotify can't build it if they wanted to. No, they can't. And so there's also a new App List, which is good. Um it's essentially just a vertical scrolling list of all your apps. Um, it replace the honeycomb launcher is still there but if you just force touch on it, oh that name, uh you can just switch to list view and I think that's a much better way of handling the uh the app.
0: Yeah, it's it's it's, it's the the list view as they call it instead of the grid view. Uh like the the grid view is is is, is dumb. It's, it's I don't know whose idea that was. That was just it's it's it was never good. I don't think it was ever actually any good. Like it's it's just it's just bad. The icons are way too small to even be like actually be useful, but especially if you're out in the sun or whatever. It's it's just, why Apple why. Uh, so yeah, the, the list view uh, it's much smoother. Uh, you can use uh, the the scroll wheel uh, to scroll through the app, which which makes more sense than scrolling through the grid which is, I don't even know how that makes sense. But yeah, so good stuff. This, this is this is much needed change. Everybody has, I, I, I don't think anybody really liked yeah. it. Yeah,
1: and uh, I guess to like sum up, it's just like, so the Series Zero is now starting to look all r- really long in the tooth. Like I think I honestly might upgrade my watch because it's, it's not that it's slow. It's considering the hardware, this still runs fi- fast enough, right? There's definitely times where it'll just shut out for a couple of seconds, but it usually picks right back up. Like, the amount of work Apple has done to make this run smoothly on this old watch is uh, very, I, I think it's commendable, especially if it's, like, four years old at this point. Right? 2013 was the first watch. Was it 14 or 15? I think it's three or four years old. It's three or four years old, which is ancient by hardware. Like, most iPhones are only supported for three or four years, right? Like, I don't expect I uh, WatchOS 5 to be running on this watch, but this being the final release... I'm going to assume it is. It's a great release. Battery life is start- definitely starting to show its uh, show. Yeah, its-
0: like the watch is. I mean, at this point, I would say the watch is definitely a fitness device. Uh, so if you're into fitness, uh, and you do fitness stuff, that's, uh, like, this watch is still very. Like, Apple is definitely focusing on ho- wholly on uh fitness stuff. Uh, I, but otherwise, I think it's still like notifications are getting better. The Siri proactive stuff is is is, is okay right now, but it'll probably get much better in the future. But is the watch is worth it? Uh, that's that's up to you. I don't know how uh, it's dependent on how much notification handling you need really need on uh, uh, on a day to day basis, uh, portably on your hundred wrist. It's just. Uh, it's still a very expensive device. Like it's not cheap. Like it's not a cheap thing to buy. So I, I just can't be like, yeah, it's just, it's really worth it. That's really dependent uh, on on, your, on on your budget uh, and if you really actually need it. Uh, it just depends on your use case. But if you're into fitness and you have an iPhone, uh, it might be actually be quite worth it. Like the integrations for fitness stuff is is are very very good. Um, yeah, and, and those are like the those are the stuff Apple is focusing on right now, which which is always a good sign uh, for the future. Uh, that's a watch and watch OS. Uh, we're gonna move on to the biggest section, and we're, we're we're this is this is gonna be a long one. I told you, folks. Uh, uh, iOS iOS eleven. Oh boy, this is this is a, this is a release uh, of iOS. It's, 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 it's a big one.
1: Yeah, I whew. um. Firstly, just just out of the gate y'all should be reading the max stories review and the arts Technica review uh backstories review is it's, it's a book at this point um it, i i started on the audiobook by mike Hurley because i don't know if i can read all of it i haven't finished it yet but uh there's an audiobook too if you're more of a fan of people people just of like audiobooks and such it's cool so i i guess to just how are we gonna do it we're going to be skipping over the iPad section just because you and Orsatic have an iPad, so I don't think it's fair for us to judge it.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, this is. Yeah, this is kind of unfortunate because um, the iPad features are sort of the marquee uh, features of iOS 11. Like a lot of stuff that's in iOS 11 was specifically designed for the iPads. Uh, but if you really want, like, if you have an, if you have one of the iPad Pros or an iPad. Uh, I would really recommend uh, reading the Mac Stories review and the sections on the iPad because Federico uh, uses an iPad as his uh, primary computer and I would recommend reading that because he has a lot of good perspectives and he goes into a lot of detail about uh, iPad productivity on his podcast and on his on Mac Stories. So I would recommend you read that. But we're going to start off uh, iOS with one thing that's sort of critical that Apple has been warning that would happen Rest in peace, 32-bit apps. Uh all 32-bit apps are no I will no longer work. Uh, like they won't launch uh anymore. The whole
1: entire system is just had 32-bit libraries stripped out of it. Um you can't run them. I believe too, the iPhone 8, the a 11 x Bionic, whatever the heck that's called, I don't even think that ships with 32-bit instructions.
0: I mean yeah, that that's I actually don't know if it does ship.
1: I, it, yeah, I don't it remember. I think I read something. The OS. I know the OS yeah. for sure doesn't, but I wouldn't be surprised if the chip itself doesn't ship with 32 uh, bit instructions, right? Because if the OS doesn't support it, what's the point of having it on the chip, right?
0: This is this has been like Apple has been warning since iOS 10 that this is going to happen. That they have been putting warnings up. Usually, these are apps that have haven't been maintained for years at this point. Like really old uh, applications. Uh, usually, games. Uh, a lot of uh, games don't get updates a lot of the time because game developers don't really want to update all the time, but. Uh, yes yeah, so a lot of old games might stop working if you have any apps like that i think apple you you probably already know which apps those are because
1: yeah i think in a uh in a previous in ios version of ios 10 apple had a system setting a page in system settings i would say these pages may or these apps may not work in the future and that would tell you which ones exactly so um it's a pretty fair warning for it um Kind of sucks how we're losing some apps. Maybe once in the future, Apple might ship a Rosetta program that'll let you emulate these old apps.
0: I I um, don't expect Apple to do that uh, at any point. I don't think that they want to. They, they, they really don't want to maintain 32 bit. Uh, like it's, it's gone from the App Store. These apps don't show up in the App Store. You can still download them if you have an older device with an older version of iOS. Uh, but otherwise, otherwise they're basically gone. Like they're just just uh,
1: I think this is a good move. Um, The Watch, tvOS, both of those only support 64-bit apps they've all had from the start. Um, Apple has even said with macOS, I know we didn't say this in our macOS section, but in macOS that 32-bit apps are not long for this world. And they haven't put a time stamp on it, but they're just saying in the future, no. I I think it would honestly benefit Microsoft too, to also start killing 32-bit support.
0: Maybe. Windows is a bit of a different story because just, just a lot of legacy stuff. Just just lots. Like you don't even know how much legacy stuff there is for Windows that's just 32 bit only.
1: Well I mean after just, a certain point you just uh, gotta be like compatibility, you just we're we it's we're like you're maintaining such a small amount of actively used programs, right? Or such a small amount of life like I know that like probably I think we would lose out most if Microsoft dropped 32 bit support. be games.
0: That's, see, that's the this problem is yeah, Windows is is a is different because I don't think Windows can do it, but yeah. For for iOS it makes uh, more sense i think to do this uh, so uh, moving on from the end of the 32 bit uh, app era on iOS uh the new lock screen and notification center oh boy this this is
1: uh it's uh, uh can i can i go on a rant about this let me i want to I'll take this one it's <sighs> all right so the the new lock screen and the new notifications are one and the same If you swipe down from the top of your phone, this is the lock screen that you see. And the issue with that is iOS has been bad at notifications. iOS has forever been bad at notifications. It's even worse now because now there's no clear all button. Now it's even more confusing as to how you interact with them. You have to 3D touch on a notification, interact with it, which is not a uh, clever way of doing it. It like on its own, I guess it's like a fine, like it's fine, it works. But when you compare it to, like, Android Oreo, right? Like, what you were losing out on so much more.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm just going to, like, like this is not even a hot take. Like, this is, like, cold as ice. Um, it's, uh, notifications on iOS are just bad. Like, they they have been bad for a long time. Apple has been slowly working on it. Uh, but they just fundamentally are just just not as good, Uh has uh, say the notification system on Android, which Android Oreo even or even Android in general, for the past few years, like Android's notification system has been improving uh, and it has always been better than iOS's. Uh, this is that's the only real gripe, I, like a long term gripe I have with iOS is that the notification. Management is, is is a clusterfuck. It's just bad. It's it's confusing. Like, you have a
1: better time triaging notifications on your watch than you do from doing it on your iPhone. Yeah, itself. it's
0: it really is. It really should not be this hard. Just just Apple, just just get rid of your pride and just you know just borrow some features from Android. It's fine. Nobody nobody's gonna uh, maybe the Android fanboys are gonna.
1: Like, because yeah. think about it too, right? If Apple wants to go into all this AI stuff, why aren't they just using Siri to tell you which notifications they think is most important, right? Like, Apple could definitely do that. There's so much work to be done there, right? Because like, right now, by default, all you have is, like, Facebook will just, like, if someone posts in a while, it'll send you a notification by default for that. And you have to dig super deep into settings to do that. On Android, Google is automatically docking those notifications in Android Oreo. And, like, Apple's doing nothing about it. And everything gets equal priority.
0: Yeah, so this is why, like, I actually like turn off notifications for most apps because most apps honestly most apps don't really need to notify me all the time uh but the only the critical apps otherwise i would be inundated with notifications and that's not a good state to be in because ios's notification management is is, is garbage uh as you mentioned the clear all button is gone for new notifications which is dumb uh it's it's, it's really bad especially if you have like a if you, have, if you have, like, a social media post and say, like, people are replying to it, that's going to be, like, a bunch of notifications. And, like, if you are like, clear that out, it's going to be, like, one by one, are you clearing them out. Like, why? Why? Apple, why did you? Why? Just.
1: And it's. And another thing to rate is that with iOS 10, I used to be able to just swipe down and have my today view. And now that's gone, I always have to swipe to the right. And for me, I have workflows. I have widgets that I use in today consistently, right? And so like now that I have to swipe to the left to get them, it's so, it takes so much more time. It's slower animation to bring it open. It's slower to get over there. Um, the usefulness is taken away because it used to be like, you know, notifications are trash, but you know, I don't live in the notification center that much. All I do is use today, widgets. I launch workflows. I'm checking uh, bits of data and all that, or I'm making new notes or whatever from there without having to go into the app. And now that workflow has been considerably slowed because Apple wanted to turn the Notification Center into the lock screen, and this only really makes sense on the new iPhone. It does not make sense on any other device.
0: Yeah, it's 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 confusing too. Like uh, I imagine users who upgrade would be like really confused as to where the Notification Center is. Like it's like oh, suddenly you're just like put into the screen. Just looks exactly like your lock screen. Uh, except for small things that are different, and it's it's just confusing. It's it's not clear what are you supposed and to. And more doing? importantly,
1: it's not clear that the phone isn't locked when you bring down the notification center. If you swipe down, and a normal user is like, "Oh, I'm at my notification center, or I'm at my lock screen." That means my phone's locked, right? That means the like, touch ID is enabled. No, if you swipe down, you can reopen your phone without having to use touch ID. So it's a, I think it messes with the security of uh of ios a little bit the message like the security
0: i it's it, either way it's 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 a confusing user experience all around and, and i say this as someone who has been using this like using ios for a while uh for almost like what three years now and it's just just this hasn't gotten much better it actually used to be slightly better in the older days because i had a clear all button like goddamn apple I, like,
1: ios and nine <sighs> had the best notification center and it was still garbage. That's,
0: that's the only thing I miss on Android is, is, the, is this like, notification. Like, uh,
1: so. There's an argument to say that Google's gone too far for Android Oreo, especially with like, all these manual notification channels you can do. But it's, I'd rather have that than this.
0: Yeah. Like most people don't. I'm not going to play with those in Android even. Uh, but it'd be good to have more control over my notifications, more than just me turning them off per app. Like, please, Apple uh i don't know like just okay mo- i want to move on from this because this is gonna get
1: <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna be yelling at each other uh
0: next yeah uh the next thing that is actually good um uh, is is the new control center it has been wholly redesigned it's it's, it's really good um it's like this it's like these rounded blocks so you can rearrange a little bit uh and you can have like uh it's i don't know what to call this ui it's it's full screen now right it's like you ha- it opens up from the bottom but it's like full screen so uh it's it's smoother it, it's it's actually not like it has only one screen now you don't you don't have to swipe to the right to get to other ones it's just it's just, it's just all one little uh place to happen it's it's much uh nice little, little interaction little animations like the brightness slider um and like the 3d touch uh sort of interactions are kind of nice so yeah that's the new control center uh take, take a look at the screenshot uh but uh yeah it's control center is it's it's nice christian do you have any thoughts on the on the new control center
1: you know i at first i wasn't a fan of apple embracing the blur because it, it was like sheets of glass that you were looking through right and it was kind of not great But I definitely appreciate now that they've kind of removed that Chrome and it's just a straight blur of the element sitting freely on top of it. It still aligns to a grid, right? But that Chrome has been removed and I feel like it flows a lot nicer in terms of the UI. Same thing for like the new notification center and some of like these new effects in iOS um, 11. I think that when you remove that sheet of glass and you just make these buttons chromeless, it... Because it's you can still tell, right, there's still a clear indication that you're swiping up and that there's a button or like a little notch at the top of it saying if you swipe back down, it goes away. I feel like the interaction model still works, but it's a lot cleaner looking. And uh, if Apple is going to embrace this, uh, blur all the things. Um, UI style, I feel like this is the right way to do it. Um, I like how it's customizable. I think that it's a really clever way of embracing 3D touch, even though it might not be obvious to at first. But I think once you really, once you get into it, it uh, definitely works a lot better. Um, it's strange. The new control center is the right way to do it, because that separate pane view is probably very confusing for some folks. I feel like it wasn't obvious that you could swipe left and right. But the new notification center is the wrong way to embrace this.
0: Yeah, so I I don't understand what Apple does sometimes. Like uh, I feel like sometimes they the their various teams are not interacting with each other. I don't know what's going on. But uh yeah, so notifications uh notifications are not good. Control set is good. Uh something uh that got added next is uh Siri has a new domain for uh for to do to do app like list apps like uh like to uh, you can add new events to Todoist uh, using Siri, like you'd ask, say, "Add this event in Todoist," uh, and it would add it, uh, which is which is cool. But Siri Kit is still kind of limited. Like it's not, like it's not always obvious that you have to do say a, say something in a certain way for it to pick it up. Like you have to say in Todoist, otherwise it wouldn't know
1: uh, that you. Well, I think it's like Apple unit specifically. I feel like, so I remember there's an interview, I think it was Mashable. I was reading with someone who works in a Siri team. And essentially, what like I said is that with um, the Echo, with uh, Alexa, right, and uh, in Google Now, or the Google Assistant, you have to use a specific sentence in order to launch a specific action, right? So you have to use the. Uh, Dictation for the uh, skill as provided by the developer, you can't get around it. And they've been saying the reason why they've been so slow to add domains with Siri is because they want it to be more flexible, right? You can say, add this to my to do list, Siri will ask you in to do list, right? Or you can say, if you just add the app name, regardless of how you phrase it, it'll work fine. But with Google and Alexa, you have to specifically use a sentence with the grammar being a certain way, right? And Siri supports a bunch more languages, right? So they've been slower to do it because they want it to be more natural way, right? Like I don't have to think about how I'm saying this in order to get it to work in Siri. For like, I use Things, right? Things added Siri support, so I can just say, uh, "Create a new reminder for this Siri" or whatever, and then it will um, ask me if I want to do this in Things, and that's a much better way of handling it. Versus being Google or, or uh, the Echo, where you have to specifically say it a certain way. I still think they should add more. I think they should add playback, like music controls. I think it's silly that they haven't done that yet, but I understand why they're doing it. And I think these new changes are great.
0: Yeah, it's uh, SiriKit is definitely getting better slowly, uh, and I hope it get, keeps getting better. I actually turned it back on uh, recently to try it out, and it's, it's been it's been nice. Uh, a few settings things. Uh, Emergency SOS is a thing where you press the power button five times uh, and it it triggers, like, an emergency call. Like, I think that's what what that is. Uh, There's also no more special social integration, like, from back in the day. Uh, No more Twitter, Facebook, or Vimeo uh, social integration. Uh, So that's gone. Uh, That's the small settings changes. We're going to talk about uh, one of the big sort of big apps, I suppose, uh, files, new iOS uh, file manager.
1: So I want I wanna, I to start off this one with file manager by talking about um, how third-party apps plug into it Piece, it's, it's a file manager, right? It's just like an updated iCloud Drive app, but now it has like proper third-party integration. So Google Drive, Dropbox, OneDrive can all integrate into it. But the issue is you can tell the file apps what, app you can, what file types you can open but right now, there are no safeguards to prevent anyone from abusing it. So Google told the Files app that it can open every app, and because Apple doesn't have a UI for setting defaults, if you open a PowerPoint document created in Microsoft Word that is saved to the Files app and you have Google Drive installed, it'll try and open that document in Google Drive.
0: Yeah, that, I heard about that on the on what, which podcast, uh, but I did hear about it. Uh, connected, yeah, um, that is that is definitely uh, that's not good. Uh, Apple should really probably rein that in. Uh, Lot, or you know, alternatively add defaults, uh, but Apple. That's probably really be the best
1: way just that. to add it's defaults. It's it's, it's 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 been long enough.
0: Yeah, that, yeah, really, really Apple it's been yeah. It's I feel like if Apple added defaults, this wouldn't even be a problem.
1: But yeah, I like the new files app. Um it, it integrates really well with iCloud Drive if you use that. I'm an active user of it. So files sync to my desktop and my uh iPhone nicely. Third party apps can plug into it. Um you can use it as kind of like a temporary place for sort of files if I want to share in between apps, right? So before you had iCloud Drive, but not every app supported it. But now the Files app. It mainly makes more sense on the iPad. You use it for drag and drop and such. But on the iPhone, you can now do the thing where you can open, you can have an app that like, say for example, you want to upload a document from Safari, right? And it's in Google Drive beforehand you were able to do that only if google drive was built in a certain way that it works as a file picker but now if it integrates into the file app you can go you can go straight from the file apps and 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 like just try out all your files and move them different places and all that stuff like it's not as advanced as like dolphin or a uh, or the finder but it is a good first step and i'm glad it exists
0: yeah and it's it's definitely sort of uh file managers apple's trying to everybody's just like yeah, Apple's finally doing the file manager, but it's not quite as simple as people are getting. They're making it so that this is a good way to integrate with all of the cloud apps. So, like, I know OneDrive, which OneDrive is the cloud service that I use, and it has already integrated with uh, this new API. Uh, and it works nicely. Like, I open the files app and I can, like, put stuff in, in in OneDrive and it'll, like, upload to OneDrive. And that's, that's really, really, really handy. Because a lot lot of people, let's face it, uh, are using all these cloud services for uh, so, and it's like it would be nice to have all these integrated into one place. Uh, And it's 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 a very nice little integration. I hope it gets better as time goes on. Uh, A few other apps changes. The app store uh, has a whole new look. Um, It's 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 much. It's different, really. It's it's entirely different. Has been redesigned entirely. All the UI elements are different. Uh, so Christian, do you have any thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, so essentially it's like uh, when you open it now, every day there are going to be new stories per se, right? Where they, like, they'll talk to developers behind the apps. Like, so The Witness came to iOS a while back and they had like five individual stories where you could scroll through through like a news feed. That's the first thing you open up to. And they talked to Jonathan Blow, I believe, right? The lead developer. They uh, had a story examining like some of the uh, art style behind the games. And it's definitely an interesting way to showcase apps. I like it. I think it brings a more humanizing touch because it's all, it's a human editor team. It's not like an algorithm just surfacing uh, relevant content to you. I really think it's a clever way to do it. Um, I think it's a great way for indie games and indie apps to be showcased. And um, that's mainly it, right? It's a new design. Uh, You can now hide apps you've previously bought. But caveat on that, I hit TweetBot I went to redownload it, and then it told me that I needed to pay for it again. So I do not know what's going on there. So I would say don't, don't hide apps you've bought. Um, I need to contact Apple customer support and see what's going on about that. I'll update next week. Yeah, because I bought the app and I hid it. So I should still have access to it because I'm only hiding it from the list, I thought, right? So um I need to contact Apple about that. Um next week I'll have some follow-up on that. So right now, only do it with free apps, don't do it with paid apps. Uh but the UI is much cleaner, it's faster. You can now pull a refresh to manually update apps or like to manually check for app updates. Um and besides that, I just think that like the new uh app pages are better. It surfaces reviews. Uh it it allows for developers to post updates as well. Um, from a developer standpoint, you can now, you don't lose your ratings every time you update your app. You can just manually reset them whenever you want to. So it's a definitely, it's a good update. Um, and next though, there is the Messages Apps update. Uh Apple announced Apple Pay person to person being a thing that has been delayed until probably like a November update when the iPhone 10 comes out. Um the only real big changes is that iMessage apps are now more prominently displayed and I think it's better. I think they really they really read touch some of the UI there to make it more obvious that these things exist and I'm uh, glad. Um I I feel like iMessage apps are still not used as much as maybe stickers are in like LINE or Telegram, but I still think that it's, it's a good change.
0: I don't know if we want to talk about any of the other apps, uh, app changes, but uh,
1: uh, Safari, we already touched upon with Mac OS yeah. 10.13. It's the same. As yeah. over there. Notes. Um, I, I don't know.
0: Notes. I don't really use notes.
1: notes. It's notes. just has like a new document scanner, which is really, uh, it's really good. Um, I, 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 was linked to an example of a document scanned with it. It was a, uh, online document that I received in the mail. Uh, I'll have that in the show notes. Um, Photos and cameras just have some new filters and stuff. Um, I've been using them. I like the new filters. I like the new editing effects A photos. Same as macOS, right? Same photo changes there. Maps, not really that much different. Mail, it's just better search and better archiving. Um, the new news app, though, has a new font. And it, uh, it's been redesigned, right? So there's now a new spotlight section. So once every day, Apple will refresh that section with like 5, 10 stories going deep into one topic today it is private space companies and how space exploration is changing and have a bunch of stories that you can read about that topic yesterday is about the relief effort in puerto rico um i do not think this is ever going to leave the u.s because they need individual content teams for each company it operates in because for a canadian the relief effort in puerto rico does not make that much sense for them to read or especially someone in the uk right maybe it might be interesting but it's not that relevant or like private space companies in America does not make sense for someone in China to be reading. Right. So I think Apple is uh, they need more local localization teams in order to surface uh, relevant content, but at least in America, it's definitely a great um, idea. I really enjoy using it. Um, And there's also a new font there. Uh, It's this new serif font. It looks really nice. I like it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also coming to iOS is the new file formats for video and, Photos, uh, HEIF, HEIF, HEVC. Uh, they're good. Uh, they only work if you have a certain iPhone version, like iPhone 7 and up.
1: 7 and up, and you have a Mac from 2016 and up because you have to Skylake, I believe, is the. So, yeah, for the chipset, it supports uh, decoding it uh, the hardware-wise. So every iPhone, most iPhones and most Macs can do software decoding for it, and it's pretty good, right? But when it comes to encoding, you need that hardware chip, or else you're going to have a bad time. So that's why only newer devices can generate it. Uh, iPhone 7 and Plus can only take photos in it. And so for me, because I have an iPhone 6S, most of my photos are being stored in JPEG still. Um, you have an iPhone 7, and so Apple is now moving, moved all your content over to HEIF
0: yes uh so any 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 new photos that i take are in 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 the new format um and it's 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 nice i mean i i have i don't really like the main thing is like the sizes are much smaller and like uh like live photos are better supported because the hey format has like it's like a container so you can have like multiple photos uh in the, in the same file um and like it's nice it's nice to have it. It's, it, it i don't really need the space savings but that's also you know a good thing to have uh the video stuff
1: well also too there's a well, for like the image format right it's, it, it's so before it, it like the main benefit is of live photos because with live photos beforehand right it was like a jpeg and a QuickTime movie kind of mushed together in one container but now you can natively have that video metadata in the image format about it being like some weird Frankenstein of two formats.
0: So that's the formats. Um, the one last thing, uh, before we go, uh, maybe AR kit. Uh, I don't know if we have anything
1: about it. good. Um, it's, it's the face, the tracking for it's really good. There's a zombies app I played. Um, and like, it just works very well. It's going to work even better on the newer iPhones. iPhone, eight, um, iPhone 10. Um, this is where, like Apple's uh, them owning the silicon that they're doing is uh, the silicon that runs on the devices, and it's sort of integrating the low, lower level APIs with that is really showing off. It's showing it's, uh, it's it's the bread of its talents or something like that. I don't know. I just butchered that phrase. Uh, but <laughs> but it, it's showing it, it's it's a really good showcase of what Apple can do. I think Air Kit um, is that may not going to be a main mainlining feature for most new apps but when you need an ar experience it's going to deliver and it's going to work very well core ml is also something that works very well um there's not many apps that use it right now but it's still wild how apple can do this on device training and stuff without ruining your battery life um there's new metal oh is it metal 2 oh whoops i guess i should resend uh follow-up live follow-up in the show metal 2 is the new metal version not metal 3 so uh just just i'm not gonna edit that out of the mac os part but just know when i was talking about metal two or metal three i meant metal two uh as we said in mac os it's essentially the same thing new airplay standard doesn't really matter i do want to talk about the podcast app for a minute though so there's a redesigned podcast app it looks like the music app now um i think it's good i think it works well i think the discovery in it's even better now but there is something there's a little uh a little more technical change that uh I want anyone who uses the podcast app to go ahead and disable. Uh, it's going to be a, a toggle that says reset identifier in the podcast settings in the settings app. And what that essentially, when that's not toggled and when it's turned uh, off, what that does is when you request our RSS feed for Shades of Brown or any of the of radio shows, it's going to send a unique identifier saying, I am requesting this and I am this person and it'll be sent to our logs or whatever. We can use the identifier however we please me and Orsatic are doing anything with the identifier. Uh, we'd both prefer that you have this option enabled and not send it to us. It's data we don't want. I don't want to track you. I don't care to track you. As long as you're listening, that's all I care about. And you're engaging with it, you know. So go ahead and turn that off. Um, I disagree with the fact that Apple even added this. I think that this goes against some of their uh, stances on privacy. I know why they did it. Because they want pot, a lot of quote-unquote professional podcasters, right, been asking for better ways of analytics and a tracking for ad purposes.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's, this is not a request from small, usually uh, podcasters, but uh, big podcast networks, uh, more like uh, one, like better stats from Apple, I guess. Uh, and this is one way Apple can provide those stats. But yeah, so it, it just turn that off. There's, there's no need. I don't care about the server logs. Those get rotated out uh, daily. So uh, I don't really look at them. Uh, so that's that.
1: Um uh, so, uh with, yeah, with it's, that it's, though, it's, i think like there's a bunch of little things um but really you you can read those in the reviews uh none of them are are that huge of changes there's just little tweaks to the iOS experience um but it, overall iOS 11 has been interesting for me i've had some bugs at first i was using the betas right and then i upgraded to the final build i did a factory reset a while last week and it um got rid of most of those bugs but I still have been having um, some UI stutters now and then, right? Where like, for example, I swipe down a notification center and sometimes the clock won't show. uh, There's just little paper cuts here and there. So I think that definitely this release is going to get smoothed out over a couple more uh, bug fixes. We've already had two hot patches since it came out. So definitely, uh, I don't want to say that it wasn't ready for release, but uh, it's definitely this this iOS 11 is a little hot right now
0: it's it's a little hot yeah uh and it's it's i mean it's still worth an upgrade i think uh, i haven't had any major issues, but little little bugs like that will will come up and will be fixed in in minor uh minor uh point one releases uh and with that, I think we're gonna end the show uh you can find us uh, as always at uh, two shades of brown dot com you can find me on mastodon uh at staticsafe at mastodon.zombocloud.com. and christian
1: i am at uh Josephine at instance.business. New new instance here uh, because, you know, we're all brands. (laughs) And with that, goodbye. Goodbye.